0: Let me ask a weird question Uh, In... Boats, cold. They're like, how is that? Like, in terms of people up there, is they're like, man, like cold, like all of that. But then, Canadian cold. Are people just good with that? You guys are just tough up there, and it's like, just it, it is what it is, or what? Mostly, I mean, you, you yeah, you got to just, you just got to stomach through it. You know, I don't know, like. Uh, <laughs> Well, November <laughs> stomach through, <laughs> you just got to stomach through, um, you know, 11 months out of the
1: year. No, I'm just, well, kidding. you think about it, man. Like, so my dad, where he fishes the season, the seasons, the seasons of the, like the fishing season change depending on your area because they rotate it so that they don't like destroy the fish population. But in my dad's area, it's from November to May so that's like right like it's during the shit show of winter right it's it starts when when winter really starts going and so like it's it's just brutal like the coldest months of the year is when you have to go out and uh it's a long season it's six months but yeah I mean there's no other answer like you just it's it's very very difficult and you know this is why I was we we spoke about like ice baths before and how I do that in the morning and I kind of use like the fact that my ancestors did that for like seven generations before me is kind of like a a wake up call to me like like i'm cold under the i'm 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 like shivering under the freaking bed sheets <laughs> with my ac unit on or my heating on and i'm like oh i got to get up and go down into the ice for 3 minutes but like all my family had to go into the cold and not only in the cold this is the thing other part that, that people don't realize that don't do it but like you have to haul the trap out of the water so as you're hauling it out you're getting wet so you're cold and you're wet and and yeah like they have now they have um proper waterproof gloves and all that that stuff gets ripped all the time now too but like (laughs) they do have that as an option but like before that man it was cotton gloves and the goal was actually to get them wet so that your your hands could eventually heat up like it could create insulation around the wet glove because water is a good insulator. Mm. And and so they would actually want it to get wet, but to get warm, you ultimately had to get really cold first. So <laughs> it's just, it's, it's just terrible, man. Like I <laughs> it's a terrible
0: yeah. life. I, like, how do you think about that though? In the way of, um, this is like all of these little things apply like on smaller and bigger scales you know um um my family traditionally all grew up in uh, ohio it's like not not canadian cold but like a cold cold place um and then like 50 years ago my one grandmother who is passed now like did the thing where you moved down to florida and i'm assuming people probably went to visit and it's like Wow, it's kind of nice down. It's kind of nice down. Here. It's kind of like warm, especially if you visit like in the middle of, uh, you know, probably winter or something like that. It's like, ah, oh God, it's pretty, pretty nice. Um, like there's a, a need to, like face some challenges. Obviously, you know, endure. You know, there, there's definitely wisdom and value and and obviously, hardship but then like how do you, how do you discern whether it's like like this is really needed like there's actually other in and, and i i get to to talk both sides like i get that people love it there's a pros and cons to having seasons and all sorts of stuff there's uh winter can be beautiful um but in the way of just like thinking about things like how do you know whether you're just persevering just to persevere and there's literally like there's some off-ramps there's some shortcuts there's like other things that are possible yeah you're asking like when do you know if the difficulty that
1: you're facing is is actually necessary or if you could move to Florida. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe that's not the great example. But in yeah. in anything of uh, – like, how do you know um, – because there is this thing of where we get, we're creatures of habits. So it's like, in a way, like, we can persevere and this and that. And it's like – but also – we're not adaptable in a way it's like, like some of us are like always grass is greener on the other side type of stuff. But then there's the other extreme of that, of where you're just always sticking it out. You know, it's like you're sticking it out in some soul sucking job or you're, you know, torturing yourself through like winter after winter, or even like your country that you live in. Like it's a big world. There's like many other countries that, you might not even be aware of that you would just love. Um, I don't know.
1: Well, I think, I think there's something built into us psychologically that allows us or forces us to feel, I hesitate to use the word better, but feel more at home when we're at home. So people tend to get, Like a a warmer feeling, or or maybe not a warmer feeling, uh, but like a unique feeling when they go to where they were brought up. And I I think I was thinking about this today, actually, because I was thinking about how kind of interesting and and beautiful it is that two people that are hopefully and obviously not blood related can come together and and voluntarily choose to you know deal with each other's shit (laughs) and live together and then have children and. What's interesting about that is we never think about this when we're kids, but our parents voluntarily chose to be together, and if that's done right, the children are in an area or in a, in a uh, in a home where it's like they're never going to feel more at peace, like like just this this real deep sense of belonging created by that. Like you, when you're a kid, you never think you you never even think that. Well, actually, my my mom and my dad aren't actually related. It's like they're related because they voluntarily choose to be right. That's that's a voluntary <laughs> thing, but they're not actually related, and and in fact they can't be because nature's designed it that way. Um, but I I think that that notion like where your where your seed initially blooms, I think that is where we tend to have these feelings of of just being home. And I think that's why, to your point, when, you know, you're talking about sometimes we're just creatures of habit. Is I, I think some people are just for whatever reason, it's just luck. It's chance. You're born in a particular spot, and because you're born there for no other reason, you feel a certain way about that place. Like I, I feel a way about Canada that you probably don't even get. You're thinking, "What's this weirdo is up in the north?" But, and and I recognize objectively, if we look at the data, if we look at statistics. It's like, yeah, there's there's pros and cons living everywhere. There's probably better places to live up here, but uh, you know, it's it's like that uh, that military saying. It's like everyone has a gun, but this is my gun. It's like that's kind of what it's like. Is everyone has a country, everyone has a home, but this is mine, and I'm going to take pride in it, and, and I'm going to love it. And and in a sense, that's not uh, that's not voluntary. It, it, it can be, I suppose. But
0: yeah. Speaking of um, like little cliche <laughs> cliche statements, <laughs> yeah. Um, there's this. One is, you know, you say, like, home is where the heart is or something like that. Um, in, like, the military, there's some people have these, like, little, it's like a sign by the door. And it, it might have these, like, little placards of all of the different places. And you think, like, above it, like, home is where whatever. And you have this person that's moving, like, every two, three years and lived all over the place. Um But there is something that is uh, interesting in the way of like happiness. Yeah, it's available anywhere. It's like no sort of has nothing to do necessarily like with the zip code like on the boats Canada, winter happiness is like possible there and like flourishing, thriving like whatever you want to call it. Um, but it's the same thing in the way it seems like, like with the circumstances where it's like, happiness is the white picket fence or like this and that, or it's like a family or it's, it's this particular job. I guess it connects with, with all of that. It's like, yeah, there could be places that are better suited for you, you know, find what works for you, but then remember that. Yeah. Happiness is, is possible, you know, being, living a virtuous life is, uh, available wherever.
1: Yeah, I agree. Of course, uh, being, fu- I, I suppose, fundamentally a stoic, but I think there's also something, this is something I've realized too. And I'd be interested to hear what you think about this, given your, your military background and, and the travel you've done. Uh, cause I've been ever since, when did I graduate university? 2017. And before that, so I'd say since 2012, I've been moving around a lot. Like I haven't really been in one, either one apartment or one city for more than like a year. A lot. Sometimes it's it's been like four months or six months. And so I suppose I've learned to do, I think what you were implying there, which is to carry your heart with you as opposed to leaving it somewhere where you call home, like bringing home with you. But I also think that there's something about, Letting your, I'm gonna sound way too cheesy here, but letting your heart kind of grow roots in a place, Mm -hmm. and and I think that's in a sense that's what you have to do, I suppose, to to have a family. But because I've been in this house now for two years, which is the longest I've been anywhere for a very long time, like since 2012, and uh, and it does it does feel nice, like there is like a homey feeling to it, and I'm sure I could get that as well if I was still traveling and moving around all over the place, but. I don't know. It feels maybe a little bit different. Maybe it's easier to get that homey feeling.
0: I am like oddly unsentimental. Hmm. Like sometimes just think I'm really strange in the way of... uh, I think that too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's um, like I get the thing of... um, I'm at a particular place and I feel good that I don't necessarily have to move. Like no one's going to come down like my wife doesn't have a particular job where some you know someone's going to come down and like now you're moving to Pittsburgh or like whatever it may be. So like that type of stability but in the way of like house things. I don't know. I'm just a really, really, um, I don't know. It's like, even in terms of, uh, like where you grow up, some of these things, I don't know. They just seem so indifferent to me. Um, you know, in the way of, uh, like a house burns down, it's like, uh, I th- I think of uh, Ryan Holiday, I think in one of his books talked about uh, maybe Thomas Edison, his shop was like burning down and he like, oh, like called his family out. <laughs> it's like, oh, take a look at this. That's what, you know, it's like this. When are you going to be able to see something like this? Not necessarily worried about. And and maybe there's like a whole bunch of privilege and stuff like that. Obviously you had maybe had the had the means and stuff like that to to restart somewhere else. But no way, it's like it's just things. Like the one next door, you know, if everybody's safe and theoretically, insurance and stuff like that. Um it was like back in the day, like caveman stuff, like caves. Yeah, it's like this is a cave. This this other cave will work. Like it's just a just a place to live, or it's just a particular place. But I don't know. I think that's kind of strange. I have a bit of an extreme view there.
1: I don't think it's strange. I think it's actually pretty enlightened, you know. And I would say I felt I felt less that way, or more the way that you're talking about, as as I as I got older, but. But I I think it's not, it's not necessarily the the thing in and of itself. It's like what, it's kind of what it reminds you of. Like if you have, if you've spent, uh, you know, your, your whole family life raising your children in a particular house and you, you move after they move out, like there is going to be a bit of a, you know, like you're, you're you're looking at this house and you're, you're taking all your furniture out and you're taking all the paint, all your, your pictures off the walls. And it's like, there is that feeling of, wow, we had a lot of memories here. And so there, there's that reminding. It's like if that that example, you you move after your children move out. Like once they leave, you're never going to be able to look at the mark in the wall that they tripped up one day and smacked their head in, and you know it was a big thing. And maybe that's a bad memory. Maybe you've converted it into a, a positive, a funny memory. But you know, you you lose those things that kind of remind you of of some of those those beautiful memories that you have. Not not that they're not always available to you, but that. Um, you know, just having things in, in around you that can remind you of that. you know, that's why people put sticky notes on their desks and that kind of stuff to just the situational, uh, reminders. Um, I don't know. There's, there's probably something to that too, right?
0: Yeah. And I feel, um, like I say, I have a bit of an extreme thing here, but like even that, that mark on the wall, I feel like I can pull it up in my mind. Like I can see it if I want to in the way of these like memories and stuff like that, like, um, uh, as you know, we just went on vacation and stuff like that. I don't necessarily need to look at the pictures. I can in a way like pull up the, if I, if I want to, the activities, the memories, um, like we, we have them and I don't know, like, everybody knows that. Like, there's nothing really, like, counterintuitive in that. But um it just, to me, it feels like we maybe have more than we realize. Like, in, in, in the way of memories, in the way of whatever it may be. It's like, you get an education. It's like, you learn something. Like No one can take that from you. It's like you have it. It's this knowledge. It's like it's inside you. Same thing in terms of these memories. No one can take them from you. Even if you tried to do some sort of like suppression and like let them go and stuff like that, which, you know, sometimes you can maybe like reframe, you know, things that you're not crazy about. But you still like they're there. You know, it's like part of your experience. Yeah, they are. I,
1: I think, though, that they're not like I'm sure you've had the experience where you you you're talking with a family member or maybe you're looking through an old photo photo album or something. And then you see something and like it's a memory that was a, it's a beautiful memory. But you've never because it's been so long, you haven't thought about it in so long. Like it, it would never just come to you. You know, yeah. like, you, you kind of you need like a trigger. Now, on the other side, to play devil's advocate against what I said earlier is that that mark on the wall, man, you might walk by that for 30 years and not, yeah, you know what I mean? Like it's a great memory, but, be, but because of complacency and that you're always seeing it, you, you might just take it for granted until you move out. And then you're like, Oh yeah. shit, look at that mark on the wall. Right. So like, I'm not saying that you always need that around. And I, I agree with you. I think it's right, but this is an interesting way that I think technology is actually really beneficial for us because we have these, you know, like the, I'm not on Facebook much anymore, but like we have these like Facebook reminders and like these, these, uh, Apple photos has it where it, it pops up. It reminds you of something that happened like a year ago today. And that's interesting because you, you might not ever think about that, you know, even though it's a beautiful, I mean, I have beautiful memories from yesterday I and mean, my mom and nephew were here and, uh, I haven't thought about them in the day and I might never think of them again, but maybe if Apple photos reminds me of that memory, it might come up. So, and and and. Sorry to ramble just a little bit more. But the other thing that's interesting here is that our memories aren't exactly accurate. Yeah. (laughs) So we rewrite our memories all the time, which is also, you know, you ever have a memory like of of what happened in a movie when you watched it when you were a kid and then you watch it as an adult? And (laughs) you're like, Mm -hmm. well, that is not how I remember it. Like that movie is trash. right?
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a humbling thing to look at. Some of the research on memories and stuff like that. I mean, we're filling in the gaps, you know, connecting dots on stories, and it's, and, and that's in in some ways even the whole like living in the rearview mirror type of stuff. It's it's much more of a of a, of a fiction fantasy, you know, than we when we then we realize. Um, something I think's interesting that I, I don't always use, but I have it right here. One of those, well, like one line a day things, and it's a five-year journal that just has space for, you know, a couple lines. Um, but when you put in a particular entry, if, if you've had it for a while, you can see the entry from two years ago. So it's basically like an old school version of what you were talking about, where they, uh, send those photos to you. But that particular sentence, it's essentially brings up a visual, like it brings up a memory, which is the actual, you know, photo in our mind, if you, if you will, um, which is just super interesting. Like the idea of um, creativity and imagination and like cosmic view from above and like visualizing things, how. Uh, just weird and just fascinating you know we
1: we are yeah and let me let me bring up this point too so I'm, uh, I'm curious to know if you feel the same but sometimes i'll flicker back to my old journal entries or something like that and i'll read something and i'm like who the hell is that guy it's like <laughs> like i <laughs> like it's either dark or it's weird or it's poetic like oddly poetic like it doesn't feel like me so i i honestly feel we, we talk about this a lot but I, I genuinely feel now like i'm different man That every moment in time it's like yeah. i'm not i don't feel like the same person and then you look back at something you wrote a year ago two years ago three years ago like who the hell is that loser that pathetic no <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah the uh I've done a couple episodes where it comes up about the future you and uh, this modern philosopher, Parfit, who who recently passed. I think there was a a biography written on him here recently, but did a, a lot of research on this thing of the future self, you know, this future you, how connected are you to it? And there are some people that are really, connected like if you go sit down with a financial planner like that financial planner might talk about the life that you want to live when you're x age like 25 years ago let's talk about you know how would you want things to be well like that thing 25 years from now is you (laughs) but it feels like some sort of alien detached thing. And, and like, he suggests that the more connected that we can feel to our future, you know, six months, five years, all of these things, cause we're, we can do things that are beneficial for our five, five year us. <laughs> so weird. Yeah. It's a delayed gratification, right?
1: That's like the most successful kids are always the ones who delay gratification out into the future. And then you look at like the generational success, success over generations. It's for that, like people who, people who act not even just for their future selves, but for their future children that outlive them and their future grandchildren and so on. Right. They have that forward vision. And that's an interesting thing too, because, you know, I heard this on uh, Joe Rogan, he was talking to someone about this, about legacy. And they they made the point like like why the hell do you care about legacy? Like you're not even going to be there. Like it's it's kind of an ego thing where it's like I need to live on or I need to pass down my name like it's this this egotistical thing. And and obviously part of me agrees with that, but then you're talking about someone like Joe Rogan who has just a massive legacy right? Like he's leaving behind you know, all this commentary on UFC and he's leading behind like 2000 podcast episodes that are three hours long and he's yeah. like fear factor. Like
0: he has a legacy
1: and, um, I don't know. What do you think about that? Do you, do you think about that at all?
0: No, I, th- I think some of the stuff of legacy is a bit, uh, it's like a bit gross to me <laughs> a little bit, but it's, it's like subjective, like in terms of, um, like Joe Rogan, I think it's awesome. Like I've I've listened to him a number of times, you know. I used to watch Fear Factor way back in the day, but then to somebody else, they would look at this like, what? Like podcasting? That's like ridiculous. What a waste of your time. Like that wouldn't be a legacy at all. That would be, you know, the opposite for somebody else. You know, probably like many people. So it's it's weird how it's so subjective. And, but there is a thing of where there's, maybe you take a poll and there's a certain percentage of people that are like this and that, but then like, you know, like who cares? I don't know. I I just like the whole, the chief task of this life, what's up to us? What's not up to us? Like the Bhagavad Gita, like letting go of the fruits, like, you know, it's, uh, man like how much can you like you've talked about appreciating a cup of coffee like how much can you appreciate that like cup of coffee like in a way man that's like the project to me you know it's like i mean of course there's there's this thing of like acts for the common good but in a way like that's the acts for the common good like you've talked about um you know how kind can you be to your barista that's like that's awesome i mean that is like unbl- and you could fill in the blank with like whatever uh, i drop just dropped my kids off for like first day of school like how supportive can you be to your teacher like how kind can you be to your you know i mean it's just endless for all of there's just endless opportunities for us to um I mean, you could maybe even tie that into like legacy stuff, but there's just like endless opportunities for us to, yeah, try to flourish, you know, try to cultivate our character, try to, you know, do some acts for the common good, try to appreciate this precious thing that we're here, try to make our uh, little piece of the pie, you know, a little bit better. Yeah.
1: And in a sense, that is, that is the, you can actually build that into legacy, but in a different way than you would think about it, right? It's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, uh, the human legacy, perhaps, right? It's a generational thing because that's what's so cool about these random acts of kindness that you, you talked about is that they tend to have a spiraling effect, right? This is, um, reciprocity. It's a, it's, it's a, um, psychological mechanism. That's just yeah. built into us, right? If you do an act for me, I feel obligated to do an act back for you. And uh, and that doesn't always work out that way because there's jealousy and there's betrayal and there's resentment and there's yeah. malevolence and there's all kinds of stuff, right? But but the idea that, you know, sometimes all you need to make people like a group of people more kind to each other is, is for one person to take the initiative and do something kind for yeah. one of those
0: people. And then it has this spiraling effect. Let me get weird for for a second here. This is always a safe space to get to get weird um so like the legacy of uh say like Joe rogan, for example, like there might have been a friend or a spouse or somebody that was like uh, hey, like you ought to start a podcast. that person essentially like got the ball roll rolling. Like sometimes these things aren't even like our idea. I, uh, I saw some things people were talking about um, like Ryan holidays legacy of like all these books and stuff like that. And it started by someone recommending that he read meditations. Like, It's, it's really that person's like, it started, it started by someone just simply making a book recommendation. And then that book, and it's like, it's all like interconnected. It's just so like a, a web of whatever. So even in the the way of some sort of individual thing, it's, uh, to get weird. Like it's a bit ridiculous because it's like, it's impossible for any sort of like, individual type of thing of course there are individual actions and there are you know people that are maybe doing a, a bulk of it but it's all in this big web of um you know thing and I, i'm not even talking from like a religious oneness thing i'm just talking like practical logistics like somebody recommended this book he ordered this book and it started this domino effect of, of other stuff
1: yeah I couldn't agree more man I've been thinking about this a lot lately I want to do a podcast episode on this because I've been thinking how independence is it's just not real it's like I, I was talking to a, a good friend of mine and uh and and he tends to be against the uh you know the the idea that society should give everything to everyone like he's he's a really hardworking guy and uh, and he said you know I don't think he thought too much about the sentence but he just kind of said it like you know I built you know I have everything I have because of me and I I had to challenge him on it. I said well no I said like you you know for you to even grow up like somebody had to give a shit about you you had to have decent yeah. parents right and that that's a very humbling thought if you ever think you're independent think back a little bit <laughs> to when you were a baby yeah which is hard because we you know we we have no memory of that right so we have to like consciously think about it logically but um but even even things like like turning on your tap, turning on the light, it's like yeah. You can make the argument that well, I made the money to, to pay for the bills to turn on that light. It's like yeah, but that's still not true independence because you're still relying on other people. It's like this idea, and this is like I, I've I've been very focused on independence my whole life, right? Like I financially and and um, emotionally, like everything, right? But I, I think. It's just a mirage. If you think you're truly independent, like you, you're just not, you're not seeing it. Like the only way for you to be really independent is you have to go in the woods. You have to, you know, source your own water, build your own technology. You know, don't bring an ax with you because someone else probably made that, right? Like you like you have to <laughs> like really do it. And And if you do that, which you can, some people do, your quality of life is not going to be anywhere near what it would be if you live in a society. That's the whole point of society: is that we all contribute to it, and we can build something. the The, the sum of the parts is greater than the the you know the whole. That kind of or the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. That that kind of idea. So, I, I think this independence thing is just a complete lie. And I think that the sooner that we recognize that, that if this, it's just not. It's not true. It's not true. We are completely. Uh, we are completely interconnected with everyone else that lives in our immediate community, in our
0: society. But you also probably think about it in terms of it's both in a, in a way. Like, you could probably do that episode and then immediately following, you could take the 180 and both of those would be true. It's like self-reliance like and interdependentness. You know, it's like, and that's what's so challenging for us like and in a way like one of the reasons is old paradoxically speaking it's like how do you explore like all sorts of sides of of things um but i think that's like really interesting and also uh and a lot of your episodes honestly do that um uh, that's one of the things i i love about it because it's like there are some if you go back maybe they're not right back to back like that but maybe i'm, I'm making a Uh, A suggestion, um, a request, Um, because then it's like, uh, like, really, like, now let me contradict everything I just said. It's like that thing of, uh, you know, that common cliche of like, well, you're not responsible, like, for what happened to you. So essentially, it's like all these externals, like you're interconnected. You're not really responsible. There's luck. There's all sorts of like uncertainty. And then it's like, but you're responsible for, (laughs) you know, how you respond. It's like, well, yeah, both of those are, are, are true. Um, but hopefully if we can hold both and remember, it's like, wow, like I'm responsible for this and that, like my actions matter. Like, oh, and I am interconnected and we're all interdependent. Then you, it leads someone to. Like, write what Marcus Aurelius wrote. Like, oh, the fruit of this life is a good character and acts for the common good. And it's like, I also have a vested interest in not making everyone around me miserable. You know, I have a vested interest to not ruin my barista's morning. (laughs) You know, it's like, we're all in this together. Yeah. Yeah. We're like a broken record though. That might be something we've <laughs> we've said bunches of times, you think?
1: Yeah, well it's a it's a it, yeah, probably. But it, it is a great point that that you made there that yeah, you could also make the case of of self-reliance. Even the case that maybe the goal of life is to become more self-reliant and then have that uh have that, you know, spray rays out towards the rest of the world and make the world kind of a better place kind of idea. So yeah, that's the whole thing about the, the paradoxes, right? That's why it's that's why it's so difficult because like I, I, do tend to think both. I, I, it's like, I'm thinking independence, independence, independence. And then I'm like, wait a minute, that's a, that's a freaking lie, man. Like, <laughs> you know, I look at all these things that I didn't do for myself today, you know, that mm. I, that I had to
0: rely on someone else to do. So. And it seems like you can sit on one of those sides. So say if you sit on this side of uh ultimate oneness and maybe have this like cosmic, sadness for this, um, you know, lack of, uh, cooperation and collaboration and and things like that on on things. Um, which is essentially, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely makes sense in terms of like looking at it from that way. But then as this thing, it's like, well, man, what's within my control? You know, it's like this little piece of the, the thing, um, Joe Rogan had one guy on his podcast probably like a year ago. I really loved it. Um, The guy's actually not too far from where I'm at. He has a farm that is, uh, I forget what you call it, but it's uh, basically farms like they did, you know, a couple hundred years ago, regenerative. Um, So yeah, old school, old school farming, if that (laughs) makes any sense. Um, But he says like a lot of people that get into this, he was saying that they're just miserable. You know, he says they're getting into this and they're buying a farm and doing this because they want to change the world. And it's like, you just can't do that. Like you have to focus on your thing. You know, you've got to focus on your particular farm, like change that little piece of land. And then other people do the same in this and that, you know, like whatever it may be. Um, And that's that, that thing I think maybe we've talked about is like, like how much do you take on in the way of like, you know, putting the world on your, on your back type of stuff.
1: Yeah. If you ask Jordan Peterson, he'd say as much as you can bloody handle. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Uh,
1: I don't know. I don't know if that's true, and it's it's an interesting thing because I've thought a lot about that too, and I'm, I'm sure you have. It's like how much how much should you really take on, and like, how, how many crosses are you going to nail yourself to, right? And that that was the message of Inside Man that we talked in depth about. It's like you're you're not you're not Christ. <laughs> so, yeah, you know there is a limit for how many th- things you can take on, and if you don't accept that you know, that, that's a matter of humility or in inhumi- yeah. in humility, I suppose,
0: ego, right? Some of the take on as much as you can, like feels to me, um, obviously like anti-Stoic, you know, which like we can, you know, say like, not like, you know, uh, Peterson or anybody, it's like claimed him to be like a Stoic, but in the way, like, I would suggest, like, some of that stuff is almost it's anti-wisdom. You know, there's this, like, line of, like, grasping, clinging. You know, it's like you, you've essentially um, can make yourself miserable trying to change all of these, like, externals. Like, the thing that is um, beautiful to me about say like what we were talking about, the fruit of this life is a good character and acts for the common good. All that is 1000% within your control. It's 1000%. Like, you know, when Peterson is on the thing, like reading through all these negative YouTube comments and stuff like that, like I I get it, you know, and I get that it can be bothersome to to maybe read negative stuff that people might be writing about you. But essentially it's like, you just got distracted like that could have been an opportunity for you to cultivate your character or do acts for the common good or like any number of things, you know, so it's like the, um, you know, thing and, and Mother Teresa would talk about that. It's like just feed one person oh, can't feed one person smile at someone, you know, it's like how small can you, can you make it? Um, and you know, if things happen, if things ripple out, um, like it's contagious, you know, just how like the evil stuff, like there's those things of like copycat crazy thing, which is so strange. The fact that there can be a contagious, like evil thing and somebody do that. It's like the same thing is is true. Like mother Teresa, people seeing her example, there's probably millions of people that she has influenced by her action of, you know, seeing her feed one person, it actually leads to all of these other things of people doing that type of stuff.
1: Yeah, I would agree. And I, I think, I know we both admire Jordan Peterson, but, um, man, you watch some of his some of his Twitter stuff and you watch some interviews that he's been in, doesn't strike me as being someone that's really flourishing yeah it's like i think he you know i don't say that with any kind of damnation or any any bad feeling like i feel bad for the guy yeah compassion yeah yeah Yeah, like he's yeah i say it with compassion but but, you know like there's there's interviews where he's like like he's breaking down like he's 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 really feeling the weight of things and and it, it doesn't seem to me to be the state of someone that that would that would be flourishing so i you know, I think you're absolutely right. Like I, I don't think his his message obviously he's not entirely stoic. I think there's a lot of overlap in what he says with stoicism, but but yeah, he's he's to me he's he's missing he's missing a few things in philosophy and in practice that would probably make him a lot happier. I I would think.
0: Yeah. And it's probably true for for all of us obviously in different degrees of a uh, you know, not like there's any of us that are like fully aligned, you know, actions with the, with the wisdom traditions, but that, that's kind of a big one. Um, but, uh, yeah, but I, and and again, like, you know how you talk about load sometimes, it's like, like people are at different levels in terms of, you know, how much resistance, how much load that they can, uh, bear. So like some of that stuff of like, take on as much as you can like ooh but, uh, you know well it depends there's like um unbelievably like spiritually mature and developed like like this mother teresa you know 95 pounds of whatever it's a person that's unbelievably like spiritually developed and character developed you know to to be able to do some of these things Not all of us. I mean, we can work towards that, but there is in a way some of this stuff of uh, like progression. Same thing of uh, like Martin Luther King or someone like that, who was basically in the business of like influencing these things that are outside of his control, like the amount of skill and education and character development to be able to do that. I mean, just go back and like read some of this stuff or like listen I mean, this is a person that has unbelievable skills to be able to go do these things. So it's like, and it's to go back to the farm thing, like say regenerative farming. Like this person that's been doing this for 30 years, he's a subject matter expert. Like he's been doing it on his farm. He's been all over the world learning from different people, been to different, you know, schools. And now that he has all that knowledge, He's going and spreading it. He's going on Rogan. He's going to teaching others. Like we're not all at that level, like somebody that buys a farm. Okay. Like focus on that particular plot of, of land that you have reach out to these other people. So it's like, you got to kind of know where you like fit in, where are you at you know, what are the skills and, and things like that, that you have to like, bear on additional, you know, load, if you will.
1: Yeah, and this is a very key point because I think physiologically and psychologically, the optimal amount of load that you carry for growth is not the maximum amount of load that you can carry. Yeah. Right? You. you, No athlete is, like, going at 100% every workout. You can't. So when you when you carry the, when you carry a load in the gym, say cardio or strength or something like that, there's a recovery period after the fact that it takes for your body to just kind of deal with that trauma that you put it through. I mean, trauma in like a, like a physical way, right? Because what you're doing, you're stressing the muscle. And so there's a recovery window after that. And the harder the workout, the more you, you kind of go, you know, really, really hard, the longer that recovery window is. And if the recovery window is not long enough to recover in between workouts over the course of let's say a week or you could take it at any any time interval you, you're you're going to regress you're going to go backwards right so you not only to your point is it is it it's like it's really hard to do that but it's also not optimal it's 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 optimal this week but it's not optimal over the years because what you what you want really is to let's say in the long term, is to be able to carry more load. But that doesn't mean you carry the most amount of load that you can carry right this very instant because that's not optimal for – it's not optimal and it's not sustainable for the long term.
0: Yeah, that's what's, like, so interesting is, like, it's not sustainable. And, like, to me, that same thing applies with some of this other stuff. Like, you can push it. You can do these things. You can, like, kind of reach out and try to influence – you know, maybe in a way, not that you're specifically doing that, but some of these things that are outside of your control, but like the thing in Buddhism, like the middle way, you know, some sort of, it's like got to be sustainable. Um, But did you, did you watch any of the CrossFit games at all? See any sort of highlights?
1: Not the latest one, though, no, but I have seen them in the past. Just unbelievable, man. It's oh crazy my. what
0: those guys do. And oh my that it based on what you're talking about like the recovery time i have like that's amazing to me in the way of uh 3 or 4 days to be able to do that is is just so strange to me it is so strange where it's like most people you you just wouldn't even be able to get up <laughs> you wouldn't even be able to walk or, or something like that after I'm not saying like one of those workouts, but you know, after like four of those workouts to be able to get to 10 or 12 different, um, events that they're doing is, uh, it is an amazing thing, especially the, um, if you look back like 10 or 12 years ago or something like that, maybe it's longer now, but the progression, like how much bigger, stronger, faster, um, all of those people are is Wow. Yeah, it's amazing.
1: I was thinking about that after you texted me because I was thinking of Rich Froning, who was the top guy for years, and then Matt Fraser, it was the top guy for years. And I think Matt Fraser, I'm not too plugged into the CrossFit stuff, but I think he uh, he ended up, you know, beating most of Rich Froning, Froning's records. Like if like by the by the by the numbers, he was a quote unquote better athlete. Because I was thinking about that, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you know if Matt was born or competed at the same time as rich froning did that he would beat him but there is something about how um like the science of training all that stuff progresses and it gets better over the years and what's so interesting about that is that if if you leave the sport you're in the right perspective to have is that someone eventually is going to beat you yeah. As opposed to, no, 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 I set the records and no one else is ever going to beat them ever again. Because really what you should want, and this is a really hard thing to want, but what you should want is for the sport to progress over the years and for the sport to flourish as opposed to your ego being maintained up until you ultimately die, right? Yeah. But, but what, a, what a hard thing to do to leave a sport and think, yeah, someone's going to beat that someday, but that's okay, All right?
0: Yeah, and want them to and want them to yes exactly <laughs> it's like wow like want the uh human progress in the way of uh of stuff yeah it's so so interesting on the i don't necessarily uh like do a, a lot of uh like crossfit type of workouts anymore but i am a, a fan just from a pursuit of excellence thing on the on the female side tia claire to me just unbelievable as well. She didn't, I think she just had a a baby or something like that. So didn't compete this year. I don't know if she's done completely, but I think she's won five in a row. Um, but it definitely like it skews towards the, um, Olympic athletes, like in terms of Frazier, like growing up, he's basically like training, you know, as an Olympic weightlifter and stuff like that in these different, uh, like high level Olympic type of Stuff you know, so it definitely, obviously, you got to do a lot of stuff. But it's a big advantage if you're super strong in in the way of Olympic lifts and stuff.
1: Let me ask you a hard question. I've been thinking about this for years, and I don't, I don't know where I'm settled on it. But I've had several. Uh, I've spoken to a couple high end athletes on the podcast, and just just in general, like I tend to meet them. And um and what they've, not all of them, but what a lot of them said is that when an athlete wins, sometimes they'll be a little bit boastful. Like you'll see like weightlifters, sometimes they'll slam the weight down and they'll like, ah, like scream really loudly, like as a, as a, as a celebration of some sort. And I'm, I made the point that maybe that wasn't the best thing because, you know, it's, it's not really an act of humility. Like I, th- I think, I think from a character perspective, the stronger thing would be to win gracefully. As opposed to being a bit more boastful but then i've had some athletes make the case and i understand this too where it's like you don't understand like these guys have been training their whole lives to be on this podium and they finally won and and it wasn't guaranteed and a million different things could have went wrong so yeah it might not be the best but let them have that moment because they kind of deserve it i don't know where i'm settled on it i don't know what what do you think
0: I don't know. I'm kind of indifferent, but it's, uh, the, you know, what's interesting, like to me in terms of like, say timed events, like running, swimming, like whatever it may be, or like lifting in a way, some of that stuff, it's like, you're competing like against the number. It's like against yourself. Like you might have a PR and just be really happy but someone else had just an unbelievable day, like in terms of the luck and like you still lose, but you're still happy. Like, you you know what I mean? You did some, you met some sort of mark or like whatever it was like, same thing at like run, swim, this and that. You kind of know how you did against some sort of mark because there's that like in football, you don't have that. It's like you win or, you know, you win or lose like boxing, you know, there's all these different things where it's like, you know, there's a clear like winner and loser. It's, it's, there's a real, um, I guess, clarity around an opponent and a particular score and it's like your score, but then there's other things like in terms of uh, the, the CrossFit stuff, like I was just watching it this weekend, you know, it's many different events, but it's like one particular lift, you know, and there's, there's this thing. Um, And Like everybody has a PR, like you have a particular like PR for certain things. Like, you know, what was a good workout and what isn't, you know, I'm going to go work out today. Like I'm going to know whether it's like a half hearted thing (laughs) or it was like, you know, a good use of time. There's always like room for improvement, but you know what I mean? It's like some of that to the way of the, uh, um, like maybe it's an adrenaline, uh, release but it, it's i don't know if it's always about the uh like other competitors you know sometimes it's just like competing with your self i think
1: well that that's <laughs> that was a only...
0: long-winded response to say that <laughs> well
1: yeah competing against yourself is the only person that's fair to compare yourself to and yeah. even that's not completely fair
0: right? <laughs> yeah
1: you know but it's the most fair comparison that you can make is today from is who you are today versus who you were yesterday but that's still not completely fair because maybe yesterday you know you didn't have an ambulance drive by your house and wake you up in the middle of the night right you know it's it's still just so that's why it's you know you talk about winning gracefully but i think the hardest part to do is, is to lose gracefully and i think you have to i think like the best athletes i know from a character perspective are ones that have lost a lot and they do it gracefully. And I tell you, man, like I've seen, I've seen really strong, like competitive weightlifters, train like live, and uh, you know, because I, I I go to a gym that has some good weightlifters, and 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 just just around, because weightlifting is a pretty small sport, so you tend to see them. And man, the ones that miss a lift and then freak out afterwards, I, I just I I lose I lose a bit of respect for them. Like for me, I'm like, like, I still respect you as, as an athlete, but like, if you're, if you're not, if you're not humble enough to accept that, you know, you're going to fail sometimes, like you're in for a very rude awakening. And I, and I feel, I feel sorry for him too, because eventually the thing about athletes is that eventually you're going to reach the point where you're going to start regressing. Like age will catch up with you. And, uh, and if you're, if you're not mentally ready for that, you end up clinging on to the sport and you see some athletes do this they cling on to the sport and um and man it's just it's never a recipe for disaster and unfortunately for these people some of them some of them don't have anything else in their life that sat that fulfills them so maybe that's a genetic thing too right maybe like they're just they're very singular focused, and they you know they've or maybe they've just neglected everything else in pursuit of this one sport i don't know but um yeah like the best of the best, man, they go through some weird psychological battles that most people, myself included, don't even think about, don't even understand.
0: Right. Yeah. It's like the thing of a uh, short memory. I can't remember the book, um, but it was talking about all like the greatest sports teams and the greatest, uh, you know, teams in general, how it's like, I have such a short memory, you know, it's like, it's done next. Um But uh, let me ask, uh, maybe this is something for a future thing, but you know how, like, desire aversion, you know how I'm on like the soapbox for, (laughs) for desire and aversion, but it's that particular thing, like you miss a lift, it's an aversion. It's something you did not want to happen that happened now i'm upset so same thing like desire is something i want to happen aversion something i don't want to happen and um it seems like we don't like our experience of dealing with desires and aversions are just so different like it makes me think that um like <laughs> I I would assume like you're pretty, I mean, we've talked a whole bunch of times, but I would assume like you're pretty like even keeled uh, guy. I wouldn't say naturally. It's like, maybe this is like been cultivated or like whatever it may be. But in the way of some of that, um, like desire and aversion thing, you know, like your response. I mean, you heard like, like stereotypically of uh, like some people that are kind of a, hot tempered or like fiery, you know, that's like um, in the way of free will, like if we don't have maybe necessarily like complete free will and, you know, people that are like experiencing some crazy strong like desires and aversions for things. I don't know. It's just a, it's an interesting thing because you just don't know anybody else's experience you know there's like no way
1: to know yeah for sure um i I think i think when as it comes to this example though i think it's like you know i say i try and remind myself of this all the time that the barbell can always win you know i'm sure you've heard me say that before like the barbell can always win that's what's so humbling about strength sports it can always get heavier no matter how strong you are so you never really win so i i think that athletes that fail at a lift and then just get pissed off at themselves or get pissed off at the world they either don't know or they're forgetting that the barbell can always win and you know like like anything i i, I apply that philosophically to everything in life right you talk about you know, talk about like doing well at your job it's like well your boss in your company could put so much work on you that you could fail the company can always win, right? Your work can always win. You can always lose. Right? You talk about you know, living a long life, living longer, being healthier. Yeah. Life will always win. Right? <laughs> You're still going to die someday. Yeah. Right? So it's like this ingrained humility that uh that we we do forget and and you know, it's so easy as as we talked about a lot before. It's so easy to get to get the idea that everything is about you that you're going to live forever that you know you're you're this strong guy that can lift this weight you know that's your identity you're that athlete you're the top guy you're the top lifter in the gym right it's easy to get that identity but then you have to remind yourself that no that's actually not you at all you 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 could you could open that door while walking into the gym and someone just bangs into you trips you up and then you crack your head open on the sidewalk and you know, and you're paralyzed, like that could happen. And so you have to be very careful. And I I fall into this trap so much personally, but you have to be very careful attaching yourself to a particular identity. It's like podcaster. It's like, are you a, are you a podcaster? Strength athlete? Are you a strength athlete? It's like, really? Because like, what does that mean? And, and, and could it, and is it really you, if it can be taken away from you like that?
0: Yeah. I mean, that is, Completely like what the whole like Buddhist thing of, of no self stuff in a way is, is like all kind of pointing to, which, uh, it like it gets complicated as you know, some of like the Buddhist scholars, you know, talk about this thing of like no self, but but that is essentially like it. Like, even if you think like that, who am I, like whatever you come up with you can well well you're not really (laughs) not not really that yeah it's like it's you know i mean it just gets but but the weird thing is is like the um i don't know i feel like we we get always get a bit weird on on some of this stuff like even the thing of the the win lose it's like yeah like win is just like a made-up word like somebody created that back in the day in terms of the English language. Isn't that funny to think about like, like the first group of people that were maybe like creating a language. Well, it's like, how did they, how did they determine, like what was the very first win? (laughs) You know? Um, uh, yeah, I guess it was probably like surviving some sort of fight or something. (laughs) Cause I guess now that I think about it, it's like, you die. That was like the, the loss. And like, that was a, a win. But it, like, it just is. And like, as you know, I, I don't even think like when you're in there in terms of the barbell, I don't think that you're probably thinking like, oh, this was like a win. Or this was like a lot. No, it's just, that's just how it works. Like that, that's just like the way of strength training, you know, in terms of the barbell. Like sometimes this, sometimes that. It's just, it's like, it it just is. Um but it it, it gets it gets weird in terms of like pulling those labels back and as as you were talking like explaining that um and there was like a recent episode you did that where i was thinking the same thing like you remember the conversations we had about the epictetus quote uh yeah, i was like yeah. oh so you mean like what epictetus was talking about <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I almost text you if i wasn't driving driving around when i was listening to it but it's like and yeah, in a way, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of like maybe what Epictetus was talking about, or it's at least in that ballpark of stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. I mean, contradictions—that's what we are. <laughs> yeah, like human beings are contradictions. That's what makes it so complicated. Because, like bullshit artists, they they contradict themselves. <laughs> so like, yeah, right. So it's like what which contradictions are the ones worth pursuing. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and which, 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 uh, which people who contradict themselves and that are paradoxically thinking which ones of those are just bullshit artists or which ones are like, where, where is the actual paradox?
0: You know? And
1: that's, that's a really hard question to answer, man.
0: Yeah. It's like a different thing. It's like, like, did I change my mind and I am now like over here or are both of these true? And do I believe them, you know, with some conviction that this is true and this is true like that? Yeah. That's interesting. That's like a different thing. Yeah. How do we, how do we wrap this thing up? How do we, Hmm.
1: Well, I don't think we planned on talking about any of that today. <laughs>
0: no, no, So, yeah. Uh,
1: how about we encourage our dear listeners to go out and do a kind act? I love I, it. I used to do calls of action, call, call to action. And I stopped doing that because eventually I couldn't think of any more.
0: I love that, <laughs> but, yeah.
1: But maybe this is a good call to action. Go do something kind. Start the, start the chain of reciprocity.
0: Yeah, and there's absolutely nothing that is too small. You know, there's no sort of... Uh, you know, generous act of kindness that is that is too small. Seems like they, every everything creates a ripple. Man, do you know,
1: have you ever had someone just smile at you really nicely? <laughs> and like the rest of your day, you're like, damn, that person was so nice. <laughs> and it's like, all they did was look you in the eye and smile.
0: Yeah. No, that's good stuff. Right? I like it. Paradoxically speaking, Substack. Check it out.